we're back. It's been what five years? Five years since the last Dern after reading. Five years till COVID took down the nation. Mm-hmm. Nick has been uh, standing back and standing by. Yes, I've been in my bunker, cozy with my cans, <laughs> cans of beans. Um, I I've been doing a lot of jigsaw puzzles to oh. pass the time. But it's just the same three, right? Yes, <laughs> three pieces. I do them. It's take them apart. It's, it's just a, a tiny little three pieces oh, together. Man. I find, usually, you know, you get like a thousand piece box and maybe you'll lose three pieces. I'm the one who has them. <laughs> you know, it's weird that you would lose the three pieces that connect. To yeah, it. right? It's one little blob. Huh. You know, real talk though, I just had an idea before we started recording. Oh. It would be hilarious if it were normal times and we went to an open mic and just recorded an episode <laughs> at the open mic. With no explanation. Yes, we just come up with our setup and we just do it live. For an hour and a half. Yeah, that'd be and a great like... live show. <laughs> <laughs> an impromptu live show that no one wanted to go to. Yep. Hey, I've been to open yeah, mics. Okay. They're, they're about this bad. A captive audience is the best audience. <laughs> Oh gosh. So, what what have you been up to the last 3 weeks? Um, well, I don't remember. Oh, I, I have no oh, idea. You know, lay off the peyote, Max. Yeah, a lot of peyote. Um, I had I had I'm mad at a drug dealer. Oh, right now. Okay. Um so there there is a service um where say I wanted hypothetically some <laughs> Uh, some marijuana. Ah. There's a, a service on Snapchat that I know of, a local service where they would deliver it right to my door. A family business. And if so the you other will. day, yeah, you know, good local biz. Um, and the other day, I reached out to them. I said, "Hey, you know, could could I get some?" And they said, "Oh, actually, like, what's your address?" And I told them they've been here before. Mm-hmm. I'm on the list. I'm good. Uh, and they said. Oh, actually, could you come to this address? Which is like 15 minutes away. It was out in Maniunk. I'm like, all right, I guess. Like, is noon okay? And they were like, yeah, perfect. Great. So I go there. I don't mean to interrupt your story or blow my roommate's cover, but are you, was, the, was this my roommate? No. <laughs> okay. No, it was not. <laughs> so, but you just said Maniunk and buying that, and I was like, huh. <laughs> um, so I go there. And I ring the doorbell, and it's it's a woman, and she's, like, confused. I'm like, is this, uh, the weed thing? She's like, uh, oh, no. She's like, they use my address sometimes. I think they're nearby. I'm like, all right, <laughs> this is weird. Well, she, so, she seemed very polite. Oh, she it. was super, I was like, I'm so sorry. You want some tea? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I messaged them I said hey I'm in the area but I came to the address wrong like are, are you nearby what's up and I'm just tooling around Manny I'm waiting for them to respond and like a half hour later I get no I'm out delivering and I'm like but yeah you told me I asked you to deliver and you said no. I said okay well can you deliver to the address I told you before and they said yeah this afternoon I'm like Great. <laughs> and then they just didn't show up, didn't respond after that. And so I messaged them and gave them a very angry, I will go to a different drug dealer message. This is unprofessional and I don't like it. So, uh, if anyone out there wants to sell me weed, just uh, message the pod. 
Yes. Uh, write us a little postcard, if you will. You know, we're allowed to be flaky because we're podcasters, but... Yeah. That's a drug dealer. That's an important... That's a life-sustaining business. Drug dealers didn't stop working when COVID started. In fact, their work tripled, I imagine. Yeah. They're out there shucking the weed fields and putting it in footballs and sending it across the country. I don't know how drugs work. Um, so yeah, this is Dern After Reading. We're we a podcast <laughs> about getting Max weed. And uh, we're here to watch every Laura Dern movie. And so far, we're, do, we're doing pretty good. We're, we we're, we got some winners we're today. We're like 20-some in. And yeah, this week is one of our best weeks ever. <laughs> Honestly. We, uh, yeah, but before we talk about that, we have some Laura Dern news. <gasps> Uh, Laura Dern has killed the president of the United States. I repeat, <gasps> Laura Dern has killed Dallas, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Dern has shot the president. We will, in fact, be watching the Zapruder film next week. Ah, uh, we should. <laughs> Wait, though, if we're gonna do a spooky episode, let's just we should watch the Zapruder film too. That's true. Yeah, I'm gonna write that down. Fake scribble, fake scribble. Um, so Jurassic Park three. Two, the second third Jurassic Park movie is officially coming out June 10th, 2022. No, that's not even gonna... Yeah, we're not... It's not gonna be society. It's not. And also, um... I don't know. We're definitely not gonna be doing this podcast. We're gonna have to restart. Not unless she really ups her output. We're gonna have to really stretch it out. Huh. Yeah, well, that'll be our reunion episode. <laughs> that'll be like we our, get our... Back we bring back Norm and uh, and Cliff. <laughs> It'll be our Eagles Hell Freezes Over tour. <laughs> oh man! After the disastrous split, yeah, we'll once, finally reconcile. Once I replace you <laughs> with a taller co-host. Oh, you son of a bitch! You know, I was just watching a movie with a short person in it. <laughs> Go on. A, a, like, I don't know his name, though. It was the, um, Tales from the Crypt, one of their full films they made, okay. um, Bordello of Blood. Oh, the one with Dennis Miller. Yes, yeah. and it was hilarious. One of my friends messaged me this morning and said that Dennis Miller is apparently no longer funny, but that is correct. in that movie, he was dynamite. He was so quibby. Everyone was quibby. It was a Tales from the Crypt movie. Quib, quibs, quibs out the wazoo. <laughs> but yeah, there was a little man actor in it, and he was very good. Like li- little man dwarfism. Um, yes, he was oh. probably about two feet tall. See, that's unrelated to my own but little man. I like think... when when I talk short guy Hall of Fame. Yeah, I believe that that would be separate from the the I, little I, person Hall of Fame. I I think that they should be one thing, and that only dwarves can actually reign over the council of the short guy. That is, in fact, not up to you to decide. For they, they can truly choose who is, who are the best short people. Uh, you, you have ab- zero say there's in a little, the short guy. There's a little, literally little brass statue of um, Vern Troyer out front. And it's, no, that's it's, the little person. It's like the fair. statue of Walt Disney at Disneyland. <laughs> and he's holding Mickey Mouse's hand and pointing, but it's just Vern <laughs> Troyer pointing. He's the reason we're all here, guys. Everyone rubs his head for good luck. <laughs> oh, Vern. Did he die? Oh, yeah. He's yeah, really he's dead. Been, he's... He, um, I think Michael Myers said he is against doing another Austin Powers movie because Vern Troyer's dead. Oh. But you could, like, make a robot or... Like a I, feel, I feel like they could do really fun with that as a plot point. 
That'd be like, true. Around the I was, depth of mini me. I was about to say they could make like one of those like super CGI Star Wars things, but then I remembered the budget for Austin Powers probably does not accommodate. Oh, a weird like rake. Peter Sellers <laughs> video human man. So Jurassic Park three two. Yes. How do they stylize that? Um, I mean, I could just show you the thing. It's the the but, dinosaur. But, in some amber. Oh no, that's always the dinosaur. Um, I have sure. no idea what the plot is. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm just curious. Like, how do they avoid it from looking like? Is it Jurassic Park three space two, three dash two? I mean, I don't. I just said three two as a joke. I mean, it's just uh, the third movie in the new franchise. Okay, and so it does not have a title. Not that I know of. It might actually. I really don't know. Jurassic Park again. Really. <laughs> Question. <laughs> Still? Oh, Chris Pratt's in it? Like, they're... Oh, really? Yeah, well, yeah. he was in the first new one. Right. And the second new but, one. But, like, Laura Dern's in it. It's, yeah. It's like a, a crossover. Like worlds collide. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested. All right. I mean, it's got all the people in it. It's gotta be sure. good. Sure, Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it... Wait. No, I was gonna say, would it have Newman in it, but he got eaten by that dinosaur. Maybe it's... Ghost. Maybe he's back. Maybe he's like a fort, one of those four spirits. Maybe they like the blue ghost. they like got his found like some amber with his DNA. Whoa! And they clone and they, him. And they clone him, and he's like Dino Mecha Newman. I actually did see a comic recently where he's in the jeep, and the dinosaur with like the the um like the collar the neck, puff out the does it, and then he, <laughs> the foppish one. Yes, and then he does it back like he has one, and then the next panel is just them living like in a in a cozy little domestic like house. a buddy couple. Like oh a no, couple. they were married. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's kind of nice to think. That's about. what he deserved. He does. He's the one. He runs naked on the island with the dinosaurs when everyone else leaves. Hey, he, that's that's an ending we can all get behind. He is the last of the Mohicans. <laughs> Oh, man, so, I guess that's the only real Laura Dern news this week. Uh, there's a picture of her wearing a mask. That's fun. Um, I Well, I did just, breaking news, um, the FBI had foiled a plot where six people um, had planned to kidnap um, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of, I want to say Minnesota, but it might be Michigan, um, and... Oh, it did not say that Laura Dern wasn't one of them. That's true. She was also one of the Chicago Seven. That's right. Yeah, and I think back to oh, the Ruby Ridge. Like maybe she like embodied some of that anti-government. She was in that group too. Sure, (laughs) Smothers Brothers. That was a big. That was a big role for Dern. She was the third uncredited Smother Brother. (laughs) Little known fact. Oh man. So, I guess guess I have a big Dern I gotta talk big about. Big old Dern, what is it? Large Dern. Let me set the scene. The year is 1980. In one year... Wait, let me reset the scene. The year is 1980. The president, Ronald Reagan. Former actor, current geriatric. In one year's time, he would be shot by a one John Hinckley in an attempt to impress a Miss Jodie Foster, the star of the movie Foxes. Yes, she was in this movie a year before John Hinckley tried to shoot Ronald Reagan to impress her, which only leads me to believe this movie where she plays a um, tough street, not a tough street team, but like a tough girl who like is streetwise on the streets of LA and also going to school. 
because that's what good girls do. Um, good tough girls. Yeah, no, I believe this movie is one of the influences for the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. Wow. And good for this movie. All right, I'll get the red string. I'll get, I'll get whiteboarding. Ch- Jodie Foster is a lesbian. <laughs> I'm breaking it all open. She is. Anyway, <laughs> famously. I wonder if John Hinckley knew. Oh, uh, yeah, do you think, like, would that have just... I mean, I don't... Solved everything? I don't think it was public like, knowledge at the time, but imagine... Yeah, she came out, like, three years ago. Imagine when he found out. Imagine how miffed he must have been, like, <laughs> God damn. I just got myself in jail forever. Over a lesbian. We've yeah. all done it. Hinkley, if you're listening, let us know how yes, you felt about that some fan mail. He's still alive. Maybe. I don't know. The crazy ones always live forever. Yeah. So, yeah, um... This is a teenage movie. It's a whole lot of teens. It opens up on a teenage bedroom. You could tell it's a teenage bedroom because it's just panning shots of, like, an Arby's bag. And let me just say that. <laughs> really? Yes. There's, okay. like, an a Arby's food bag, which is gross. Um, there's a, pi- a picture of a young John Travolta. There's a bunch of, like, you know, teenage pop items from the 80s. There's two things I love about this movie that I'll just say off the bat so I don't have to say them again later. It's beautiful because it's all shot in, like, Hollywood and L.A. in 1980, so it's just, like, crazy, gritty, gross, awesome places and signs, like all the old advertisements. Oh, and also, every food item, or ever, basically any branded item in this movie, there are a bunch of them, is all, like, the 1980s branding and packaging, which I just, oof, I love. Mm-hmm. Like, I see movies now, and they try to make it look like that, and usually they do okay, but this is real. This is an Arby's bag from 1980, probably 1979, because that's when they filmed it. It's crazy. That Arby's could have been inside of Jodie Foster. Or Randy Quaid, who we'll get to later. <laughs> Randy Quaid got inside of somebody, but that's later. We'll get there. So, Jodie Foster wakes up in her bedroom. It's a teenage bedroom. There's four girls there sleeping on, I think, one bed. Maybe two beds. Um, and Jodie Foster's wearing a shirt that says, I ate the whole thing. Which is hilarious. Is it oversized? Yeah, it's an oversized. She's like wearing that and like underwear and a shirt with like big like um, Cooper black font that just says I ate that whole thing. And I was like, that's a baller move, Jodie Foster. You know she still has that shirt. (laughs) Um, And then like, you know, the girls are waking up. There's like a, there's a pretty one with like big lady in the tramp brown hair. And then there's kind of a nerdy one who has big glasses, but she's still pretty. All the women in this movie are beautiful. And then there's one who looks like, um... Are you familiar with an Australian band called Amel and the Sniffers? I, I must admit, that's, that's I am not. fair. Um, she looks like one of the Runaways, like the Joan Jett. You're gonna say she looks like yeah. a sniffer? No, she she looks like she just has like big blonde hair, and she's like quailuded out on the ground, like she won't wake up, and they have to dump water on her face. Cool. And she from this moment, you know, she's the bad girl because then she like goes out and like gets a bud from the fridge, and she's just chugging it in the morning. It's the morning pajamas yeah. bud. And, like, and then uh, Jodie Foster goes into her mom's room to get her keys, and her mom has this, like, random dude in her bed who just looks like a guidance counselor at a bad school. His name's Sam. <laughs> and, like, that just, it was skeevy, and I was like, maybe this mom isn't a good mom. <laughs> we'll learn more later, but... Don't slut-shame Jodie Foster's bad mom. I'm not saying slut-shame, but, like, just, I don't know. You get the vibe this happens a lot. Which, right. it'll be can, in can later... Can fuck child up. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. But she, at this point, you can tell she's been pretty fucked up. You gotcha. Know. Um, but yeah. Oh, and then a, a cop. <laughs> a motorcycle cop, you can tell, because he's wearing a helmet, just 
busts in the fucking front door and hits Amel and the Sniffer Lady. And we re- find out that that's her dad, a very protective cop dad. And then she, like, runs to the roof, jumps off, escapes. Runs away to Hollywood. We'll get back to her later. So we cut to a class at a Los Angeles high school where a bunch of young women are washing plastic babies. Because that's, <laughs> that's the thing you got to learn about a baby, how to wash it. And they're just, they're, they don't care. They're like, just like under a yeah. sink. <laughs> they're like pulling the legs off and like holding them by their feet and just like, ugh. <laughs> and this teacher comes up and is just screaming at Jodie Foster like, you need to hold the baby and support the neck. And Jodie Foster's like, it's a doll, you idiot. And then the class is over. <laughs> Got him. And then we cut to the hallway, and there's this kid pouring fucking vodka into a can of Orange Crush. There's this kid on a skateboard, and, like, the principal, like, puts out his arm to clothesline him. To clothesline but the a kid goes under kid in the halls. Yeah, and the kid goes under. So this movie fucking rules. Oh, is yeah, the no, vibe it's, I'm getting? it's, um, cool as shit. Okay. And, yeah, and the funny thing is the principal doesn't do anything then. He, like, tries to clothesline, and he's like, nah, whatever. That's later's problem. Um... Let's see. There's a boy that used to be Jodie Foster's boyfriend. Spoiler alert, she's a lesbian. And he's like... Her character? No. Oh. She is, in real. <laughs> and literally every time I see anything happening in this movie, I'm like, she's a lesbian. Um, but yeah, so this boy's like, hey, where are we gonna hang out? And she's like, you were kissing on some other girl. I don't want to hang out with you, dickhead. And he's like, why are you being so lame about this? And then, like, you know, he pretty much fades off into the story later, but... Um, there's this one kid played by Scott Baio. He's a a really scrawny looking nerd kid. Like, like, it's such a weird disparity between the people that play teenagers in this movie and look like they're 25 and the people that play teenagers and are 13, like Laura Dern, who we'll get to (laughs) later. And he is obviously just a child. And we find out that he dropped out of school to work at the fire extinguisher filling factory. Oh, that's fun. What are you... <laughs> I have questions. Uh, me too. They're, he gets off a bus and they're like, where were you? Aren't you in school? And he's like, nah, I fill fire extinguishers. And I was just like, that's an option. You just gotta blow into him? <laughs> I, I think you like fill a pitcher up and pour it in the top, maybe? I don't know. But he's also like a cool skateboard. It's a big point of the movie that he skateboards everywhere and all the time. And there's so many shots of like on the street level of just the skateboard and him like drifting off. And I don't know if Scott Baio can really skateboard, but he pulls off some pretty fucking... I bet Scott Baio can. What else did he even do? Like, I don't... I know the name, um, but, like... Joni Loves Chachi. Sure. He was Chachi. Oh. Wasn't he, uh... Wasn't he, uh... 21 Jump Street? No. Maybe. No, no that was... was his name. Uh, you know. We don't... We're too young for this Jack shit. Jack Sparrow, that fella. <clears throat> Ooh. Hey, Grandma, oh, if you're listening, tell, tell us what Scott Baio did. But, uh, yeah, we, uh... And then, uh, they go and pick her up in Hollywood. She has a dog and a man, and she's been gone for an afternoon, so nobody knows how that happened. They get her in the car, they take her home, and they're like... Jodie Foster goes into the house to get some clothes, because they don't want her staying there, because her dad's terrible. And then, like, she has these clothes, and she's leaving, and she hears this dog growl, and we cut to a very, like, um, serious, stern-looking mom sitting on a couch with a giant, um, like, Rottweiler. And Jodie's like, we're gonna take her, she's gonna stay at my house... Um, don't tell her dad. And then she says, I don't tell the man nothing. And they leave. All right. I was like, I respect that, Mom. And then they're, like, at a grocery store, and they open a bag of barbecue chips, which don't look like barbecue chips, and they're just fucking shoving them in their mouths. They're like, these are gross, and they throw them. 
and there's this weird cut to a baby that's like, I want chips. Like, it's just a baby child, like, reaching, reaching. out towards them, like, cut, cut. And they don't acknowledge it at all. No, here's something I don't know. Yes. Um, do you suppose that the, the fact that the barbecue chips didn't look like barbecue chips was simply that in 1980 they didn't make barbecue chips look different than regular potato chips? I, I really just meant color? that they, they were tortilla chips. So oh. I don't know if they were supposed to be barbecue tortilla chips or maybe potatoes were triangles in the past. I don't know. Yeah. All those... Again, Grandma, let us know. Come on, What Grandma. was going Come on in. in the BBQ chip aisle in 1980? Man, Lori Dern was alive in 1980. That's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, so... Is it? Maybe. <laughs> she was alive. So we got, we got Lady that. and the Tramp-Haired Girl. Deandra, okay. I think her name is. It really doesn't matter. I'm just going to call them by the nicknames I made up. Uh, she's like, <laughs> she's getting all hot on this checkout guy named Greg, and the girls are like, ha, ha, ha. And then they're, they cut to their house, and they basically have this big talk, like, we gotta move out of our parents' house, guys. It's oppressive and terrible, and we need to live for us, live on our own. Hell yeah. And the fact that they did not use the song Moving Out by Billy Joel was a goddamn shame, because <laughs> there was this one, like, title song in the movie that replayed eight times, I don't know what it was called, but, like, it just made this movie feel like a Facts of Life episode, like an episode of a sick, like, a heartfelt, like, don't do drugs, okay? Tonight, like, on a very special yes. episode of Foxes. <laughs> It felt like that. Um, so uh, this the big bl- the big brown hair girl calls this guy and she has this big like fake manipulation story where she's like, I thought I dropped the tickets. I already told my date I couldn't go. I guess you can go with me. Like she's really like playing it up, like yeah. fucking him through the phone. Yeah. And then she calls her actual date, her boyfriend, I guess, and she's like, Can I? She the mom picks up and she's like, Can I speak to him? And he's already on the way to the concert. Oh no! Oh, there's gonna be two guys. Classic Flintstones episode. Now, my, what I wished was that she would have done that thing where she like goes to the bathroom and tries to date both. But what happens is they both just show up at the same time. Oh. And then like, uh, Jodie Foster takes the one that she was supposed to go with originally. Is like, you can you can date you can go with Annie tonight. Annie's the animal and the sniffer drug girl. Okay. And then Annie is going with Scott Bayo. What is happening? Yeah, teenagers, man. Concerts. Also, suck it and fucking every which way. Um. Okay, so they're in the parking lot, all the girls, and they're walking by these guys like drinking beer, and they're like, "Hey, ladies!" And the ladies are like, "Get out of here!" And the guys like, "Dykes, dykes, dykes!" And I was like, "Quarter true. <laughs> <laughs> you are one fourth right." And the court, the girls like start dancing. It's real fun, you know. <laughs> friendly homophobia is fun that's the lesson here was it like I don't <laughs> this movie fascinates On, me at this point all I could think of this movie feels like a grittier version of Grease with all the, right. with all the songs cut out and then we get some songs by the band Angel, Angel. I, don't, I don't know if that's a real band they, but they're they're fucking you know, shirtless, tight pants. They got like that keyboard guitar. Um, they sing a song. They have with, a guitar. They do. They sing a song with the word foxes in it, and everyone's like, ah, they said it. In fact, the person I was do, watching it with was like, ah, they said it. And do I was we like, have yeah. any indication of why it's called foxes at this point? Just um, like foxy babes. I think the my, not to get too in the weeds here, but I think it's like. These young ladies think they're older women and they act that way. It, in the end, the moral seems to be of this movie that, you know, you shouldn't be bad. It gets very, like, um, what's the word? P-S-A-E? Yeah. But also, like, at the end, it's kind of not. I don't know. It gets weird. Um, where are we? So, Grease, Angel. 
Real band. Um, Jody. Oh, okay. Glam rock. Yes, they are glam rock. Um, Jody's dad, we find out, is like works with the rock stars. He's like a cool British dude. Fucking LA. Her dad's a cool British dude. Oh, I hate. He is. He I, is as British an aside, too. I love that you're reminding me. He was British. You said. You oh, said. I did. Okay. <laughs> um, I didn't until I moved to LA as an adult was when I learned about these type of people. These mm-hmm. like effortlessly cool, just like California rich kids. Like he, I lived with one, and he was like completely insane. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I was doing heroin when I was 13, because we'd just party all the time. I'm like, this is... Uh, I can't relate to you people. I hate it here. <laughs> um, But yeah, she's like talking to her dad, and she's like, I want to move out. And he's like, you're not moving out. And he all, we also find out that he has like a steady partner, and then there's this whole thing about like, it's like she lives with her mom, who doesn't seem to have very together, but her dad like seems to. But she's staying with her mom, and that, like, there's obviously some tension there. And he, like, you know, he seems like a pretty cool dad, I'm not gonna lie. Like, he even mentions, like, I know I'm an absentee father, but, like, you know, I'm trying. We'll work it out. I'll be around Christmas. That's kind of that's nice. low bar. I know, but like, like, I know I'm making it sound bad, but like, like a really good absentee like, father. He seemed like, okay, I'll mention this later, but like, all the men in this movie seem relatively decent like there's only only like the real villain at the end guy is the bad guy like at one point this dude like picks up annie and is like i wanted to she's like i need to go to north hollywood and he's like oh i'm going to san san diego you should come with me and he's like kind of kidnappy vibes and she's like yeah, i think you should let me out and he's like okay oh. <laughs> and he's like you want a pill and she's like i'm okay like and like stuff like that happens all the time in this okay. movie i'm like oh it's weird that all the men are decent because that's not real life yeah decent is an aspiration <laughs> um we go to the nerdy kid's house they're talking and i i watched a version of this movie with, with subtitles and jody foster said Susie slut and you know what that is in spanish i'm about to find out juanita putita juanita putita, putita, putita. great translation which i'm job. sure is a thing no one's ever said ever <laughs> juanita putita that's juanita that's putita. gonna be my new instagram bio honestly though um, and there, her mom is just like kind of overprotective and com, uh, like com, uh, common. Um, what's the word? What am I doing here? Commandeering and uh, like a helicopter mom. Yeah, I don't. You know what I'm saying? Sure. She's like strict. She's like serious. trying to like lay down rules about like this little party that's happening after the concert, and she's like basically her fear is that they're all sex fiends. They're gonna fuck all over the place. I mean, from what how you've described this movie so far, that's. Also my fear. But then we find out that the nerdy girl is actually a virgin. And then <gasps> her mom is, like, making this big deal about it. And then she goes to her room and is just sobbing. Because, you know, she was just embarrassed in front of her friend. And all that stuff happened. And I was like, I feel really bad for her. Aww. And then, uh... <laughs> then Jody Foster goes home. Her mom is all in a tizzy because she's 40 and going to college. And men... Ugh. Okay. Guidance counselors. Back to the nerd. What have you. This nerd is fucking Randy Quaid. Whoa! Wait, I thought the nerd was a virgin. Whoa! Well, she she fixes that. Um, so she we find she tells Jody like, oh, I slept with a man once. We didn't do anything, but we slept in the same bed. We find out that man is one Randy Quaid, who seems to be he has a very big house. He seems to be like a record designer, 
Like, he designs... And he's, like, an adult man? Oh, yes, he is. I mean, I don't know how old Randy Quaid was at the time, but at least 30, and this girl was 16. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so she gets gets all made up, sneaks out of her house, because she's grounded, because she had to tell her friends to leave the party because she was so sad that her mom utterly gutted her in front of her friend. So she sneaks out, goes and fucks Randy Quaid, did and like in the sex scene, is it like how oh, him no, and his wife did God. in no. real life? No, where he puts on a, where she puts on a Rupert Murdoch mask. Thank the good Lord, there was not a sex. Scene. Have you seen that that I've, scene I'm referring I've to? I've heard of it. I don't want a see very it. real, very incredible <laughs> sex scene between crazy Randy Quaid and his crazy wife involving a Rupert Murdoch mask. Oh God, you just you keep talking, don't you? <laughs> I don't want to think about that big bearded. Eyes pointing different way, man. Um, but yeah, we don't see it, and then like it just cuts to her on the phone with Jody, and like I had sex with Randy Quaid, and Jody's like, "Did you cry?" And I was like, "I wouldn't if I had sex with Randy Quaid." But um, and then Randy Quaid comes up the stairs with two beers and a bowl with some cookies and two apples in it, and then, and then like she hangs up, and he drops the apples, like he picks them up and drops them from like a foot off the ground, and she's like, "Ha ha ha," and he's like, "Ha ha ha," and then. We cut to Randy Quaid's house. Randy Quaid, out of town. He went to New York for business. And Randy Quaid said, your friends can come over. Oh, fuck yeah. So her friends... Here we go. Teenage 80s coke party. No, no, I mean, yeah. In the hills. They have this weird, like, hyper adult party. Like, there's, like, three guys there. They're all wearing, like, full rented tux. The women are all... They're smoking cigarettes out of cigarette holders. And they have horador (laughs) vases. And it's really, like way too fancy and like the the boys look like 13 year old teenagers and like the girls are also not old but like definitely look more sophisticated right and like laura dern finally shows up one hour in and she's looking for Lori, who is not a character in this movie and then love that and then a few minutes later another person shows up and um he's like oh i'm here for i'm here for quaid I think he does say Quaid, actually, which is weird because Randy Quaid. And, like, then, like, all, and then the three people come in and Laura Dern is like, I'm with them. And basically, I think Laura Dern says, like, oh, it's crazy outside. There's, like, a thousand people. And then there's a thousand people in the house. And it's way out of control because that's how word spread in the 80s, I guess. Everybody Mm -hmm. knew there was a party happening at the drop of the hat. And, um, yeah, uh, as you can imagine, things get crazy. Oh yeah, Dern, we see Dern having a talk with a, what looks like a 13-year-old girl, but actually a 13-year-old girl, about like, um, diaphragms and how you can only really trust the pill because you don't know until you know. Now you so know. So Dern's playing like a high schooler when she's in fact 13. I guess. She's probably a, a tall 13. Oh yeah, no, she looks older. Like, I assumed she was at least 16. Right. But yeah, she's talking to this like actual child about birth control. And that's all we see of her. She's gone. Okay. And, um, I guess I can stop talking now. No, but, like, you know, all the stuff's happening. Like, stuff, people start getting rough. There's this, like, crazy guy's like, ah, drugs. We see Scott Bayo had sex with somebody. Good for him. Yeah, little, little boy Bayo. Because he, he shows up earlier when the party's not crazy yet. He's wearing a tuxedo t-shirt. And then we see him and a lady come out of a bedroom. And, like, she's wearing the tuxedo t-shirt. And he's oh, that's good. I like I that. Like, oh, Scott Bayo. playful. It. Um, and then it goes off the rails. They get into this huge fight. Like, every, every they break a bunch of stuff. The stereo gets stolen, and the cops come. And, like, all the girls are in the police office looking pretty bummed. Uh, Amal and the Sniffer's dad shows up and takes her, and we're like, well, she's dead. And then, 
Um, we cut, I think, uh, Jodie Foster goes home, and her mom is obviously upset, but her, like, there's this whole thing, and her mom, like, goes on this crazy tantrum, like, I don't even know who you are anymore! This is where it becomes a PSA, like, big time. And she's like, you want to place your own? Well, I'm leaving! And her mom just leaves. And also, her mom is just wild throughout this movie. She's like, criticizing her and her friends for, like, living a crazy lifestyle. And then at one point she's like, you're all so young and skinny, I hate my hips, I hate my hips. And then she leaves. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Maybe you should live with your dad. I don't know. I don't know if your mom and, like, whatever weird fake boyfriend is, (laughs) Sam. I don't think your mom and Sam are the best thing for you right now. And, um... Oh, at one point, uh, they're fighting, and the mom says, what's wrong with Sam? (laughs) Jody Foster says, he wears white shoes. No. And I don't know. No, to listeners, Max just sullenly looked at his white shoes. I don't know if that means he's a player or if that's just like a fashion critique. Yeah. I don't know. I, like, I, I listeners. have no idea. Was that a thing in the 80s? <laughs> don't sleep with balding men that wear white shoes. They'll, they'll eat your breakfast. I don't know. Um... So we, we go to Randy Quaid's house, nerdy girl's sitting there, she's clearly upset because her, her, that, so they had this talk, her and Randy Quaid, about how they love each other, and they seem to, so she's upset, like, oh, I love this man, and I destroyed his house, and then, um, Jodie Foster's there, and she's like, oh, it's okay, and then Randy Quaid comes home, and he's upset, as you could imagine, Sure. and he's, especially since he likely has a coke problem, so it's maybe. just, like, rage, yeah. and, like, she, he, here, another thing's coming up. So, Jodie Foster's like, oh, we're gonna get jobs, we're gonna pay for this. And Randy Quaid, not even looking at her, still looking at the nerd, is like, I think you should leave. And Jodie Foster's like, I'm gonna leave now. And then the nerd is like, I'm sorry, I thought you loved me. And he's like, really mad, and he's like, what are you gonna do, be a waitress at Denny's? You're not gonna pay for this, it's gonna take forever. And then she's like, I'm leaving. And he's, she hits him on the arm from behind so lightly that it, it looked like the fakest little fake slap, like, it like didn't even make a noise. Like, it didn't even make a hand-hitting fabric. It was just like a, uh. And then she's, like, leaving. She, she, she tries to slam the sliding door, which is hilarious. But she doesn't actually leave. She closes it, but she's still inside. And then he goes over, and he's like, I'm going to beat you up. And she's like, I'm leaving. He's like, I want you to stay. And she's like, why? So I can beat you up. And then she leaves. And, like, that's the whole interaction. It's so weird, because, like, he doesn't hit her. Yeah. At one point, he, like... Because, as you said, he's a decent guy. Oh, yeah, he, like, pushes her, like, pushes her lightly against the wall and holds her there, and he's... Because, you know, he's pretty upset. She fucked up his house. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, they just have that weird talk about, I want to beat you up. And then he slams, he slams again the sliding door, but it doesn't, (laughs) it it bounces back a little, and then he closes it the rest of the way, and he just looks mad. And, like, you know... It's weird. This whole movie's weird. This is in L.A. This isn't how it works. <laughs> he would have killed her. <laughs> um, oh, I don't even know what else is going on. So we, we go to Scott Bayo. Jodie Foster goes to visit him at his job where he is spraying Christmas trees white. And then with this clearly just carcinogenic white powder. Oh, yes. And he isn't, he's wearing a mask on his forehead. So he's it's just he's, asbestos. He's clearly dead by now. He sprays it in her face. Jodie Foster dead. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. They go, he, she's like, I think you're probably bummed because you're, that lady you like is in the mental hospital. And they go and get burgers and they're eating by this weird pipe in the desert. And they're eating what look like pretty good burgers. And Scott Bale's like, you don't even know what they put in these things, man. And he throws the burger down. And I'm like, what the fuck? At one point they're driving and Jodie Foster's like, your feet smell. And he's like, I ran out of socks. My feet get sweaty. It's a shame. 
And she's like, you should get more socks. And then he takes off his boots and throws them out the window because he's a child and he doesn't understand causation. This, this movie just goes so far off the rails so fast. Um, they get a call. Annie is super doped out in the Lucky Liquor parking lot with these dudes and like Scott Bayo roller skates and pushes one through a window and they take her on roller skates. Yes, no, on a skateboard. Sorry, okay. and they push him through the window and there's this weird cut to the three guys inside the liquor store going like, "What?" <laughs> like, oh, the nerds fighting back. That's crazy. <laughs> and then they, I don't know, man. They they go, they take her, they go out to the hills and like Jody slaps her and she's like, "You need to get your fucking life together. I'm not gonna pick you up every time you do this bullshit," which is fair because you know. She's just abusing her friends at this point sure. by being such a drag. And um, so much stuff is going on. The the weird guys from the liquor store come back and they're chasing them. And then like Scott Bayo does this crazy skate under a truck thing. Love that move. And then like cops Classic come. Classic Bart Simpson. Exactly. Cops come and they're like, they're to Scott Bayo and Jodie Foster. You guys got to get out of here. And then as they're leaving, like there's this big roundabout and the bad guys end up hitting the cop car and you're like, score. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. And, uh, I don't even know what's going on. Annie, get, she gets into who's, the weird... Who's Annie? Annie's the drug girl. Got she it. gets in the weird guy's car, and then the weird guy lets her go. And then he, she gets in this another car with this, like, man and woman. And I had hope. I really, I thought it was going to be okay. But then, like, she sits in the front, the wife sits in the back, husband is next to her. Husband, like, gets out a bottle of Bacardi and starts drinking, like just out of a water glass and I'll, it's very clear there's swingers yep. and she's like gr- he's like grabbing her leg like you just gotta calm down baby the wife's like rubbing her shoulders and then they crash into the back of a garbage truck which is out at night for no reason but we won't talk about that. that's such a shame and there's this if i were about to like hook up with a swinger couple <laughs> like a reckless 1980s swingers couple i'd be i'd be so Hot and ready, and then that garbage truck gets in the way. She was looking pretty rough. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Like, she had very, like, very pretty realistic-looking, like, drugged-out-of-your-mind makeup. Okay. And, like, the car accident itself was so fake. Like, you could tell they were just, like, moving in the car. Like, there was no actual (laughs) accident. They were just moving, and then they flashed some lights. And then you cut to, like, her getting cut out of her pants in a hospital room. And then she died. Like, somehow all of her friends and family got there. because You know, she seemed to be rushed in and died, like, on the table as soon right. as she got there. And all her friends were watching this, which isn't how hospitals work. But, <laughs> you know, she drops her weird little... I think it was in the 80s. I guess. They didn't you have smoke. Rules. You could be dying and smoking. But, yeah, she has this little, like, lighter, key, like, necklace thing she's always wearing. She drops it on the ground, and the doctor says, we lost her. And she's dead. So, yeah, don't do drugs, yeah. I guess. That's the blessing. And, and then don't do <laughs> drugs and don't use a diaphragm because the pill is the only thing you can trust. That's what I learned from Dern. Oh, Good. forgot to mention the nerd. We as soon as she dies, we cut to the girls in dresses and we think, oh, a funeral. And then turn the camera around. Nerd girl is marrying Randy Quaid. Yeah. No, I don't know. No. I mean, I no the teenager wanna... marrying the the. Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. <laughs> I mean, I want to hope it ended good, but it didn't. You know, it didn't. No. The year is 1980. A teenager is marrying Randy Quaid. <laughs> I'm sure it happened in real life, but you know. Ooh, yikes. Skeevy. Um, and then uh, Jodie Foster goes and sits on Annie's grave. Oh. And that's the end of the movie. And then, like, while she's sitting at the grave, like, Nancy Reagan just <laughs> awkwardly walks <laughs> into frame. Dances on the grave. Straight to camera. Just say no. 
I feel I there were so many messages crammed into this movie and so many contradicted each other. Because, like, on one hand, don't do drugs. But on the other hand, marry a 30-year-old man. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> on the other hand, do cool shit. Live Hollywood. With, live with your maybe not great mom. But cops are also bad dads. Like, there's... <laughs> This movie was jam-packed to the top with weird, not even contradicting, just, like, so many different views. Like, everything you just uh, told me, none of it's answered the question, why? Right? It's like like every parent on a council wanted to throw in some message, and this is what happened. Was this made by a PTA? I can only imagine. I really did no research on the backstory of this movie, and I I really don't care to know. I'm not going to lie. This movie, as far as I'm concerned, was a lost cause. So, yeah, that's, uh... Oh, man, I feel legitimately exhausted now. Yeah, that's a lot. So that's Foxes. I would say, worth a watch. Okay. It's it's hilarious. It's a quality, insane 80s movie. Like, it's... It's non-stop action and emotional abuse, if that's what you're into. There, there are skateboard tricks, there are neglectful mothers, it's got it all. Bad dads, oh, yeah. gangs all here. Bad dads. Oh, well. So, yeah. Oh, they mention quaaludes a lot, which I guess were a big deal in the oh, Listeners, if any, still holding on to some... My God. Some vintage ludes. Don't they Send get, them our way. They get stronger with age, right? I Maybe I not. Believe it. I by now I don't. My, they haven't made them. For my like parents years. and their friends are are of the age where, you know, <laughs> of the age and demeanor where there may have been some <laughs> some lewd lewd enjoyment back in the day. And that's and why... every one of them, if if quaaludes come up, they just get this like this wistful oh, gaze. I haven't been that relaxed in <sighs> years. Just like the fondest memory. So yeah, send us some uh, discontinued illegal dissociatives. You know, I, little known fact, both of Max's parents are actually eight feet tall. I think all those lewds might have uh, slowed down the swimmers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's why Max is only three feet the, the, tall. They're a little shoehorned. I don't know. It's all right, you don't even know I led with a Proud Boys joke. Wait, what? Oh, you'll have to go back and listen. Oh no, you got me again. <laughs> Oh, I oh I got it. I have not been standing by. I am not a, actually no. Have you seen what's ha- been happening? We're go we're this we're Let's this is it. our transition into between the derns. Um, so a bunch of gay people have been commandeering the Proud Boys hashtag, and it's been really nice. Yeah, it's, been it's like kind just, of been it's a like, very seamless transition yeah, it's been for like, Nick. Old, shut up. <laughs> Older gay couples are just like I'm a like this is me and my husband. We've been together eleven years, married for five. We are proud boys. It is very funny. Yeah, it's I nice. saw like pictures of and it seems yeah, to be just working kissing. flawlessly. And none of the real proud boys are fighting back. It's weird. It's, At least I haven't seen. It's anything. very funny that just the name Proud Boys. <laughs> It's like, I don't know why it took so long for that to happen. Honestly, I've been thinking about it personally, but like, I don't want to be the first one. Because <laughs> if people don't get the... Uh, uh, uh. Uh, so what's between your darns, Max? What's jammed up in there? Um, let's see, I watched the vice presidential debate last oh, night. yikes. How was that? I How was... was the fly too? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That magical fly. It's also his weird red eyes. Yeah, that happened to Biden once in the primary debates, yeah. where he got like a 
a case of explodei. It just happens to old politicians. I mean, they get so stressed. That's why Kennedy's head exploded. He was under such stress, it just... Pow! Pow! It ha- it's happened to so many presidents. I mean, Lincoln's head exploded. Mm-hmm. Kennedy, uh... Garfield got shot in the chest. Reagan, he almost exploded. Um, crazy. McKinley. Dangerous job. True. William McKinley. I think I think we hit them all. At the Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo, in oh. fact. Yeah, that's why they don't do that anymore. Yeah. That really... They did um, it for like, like five years after, but the, they were like, ah, we gotta the quit. The Pan Am marketing team after that. <laughs> that's such... Oh, it's a bad look. You really need to rebrand after that. Yes, you don't come back from that. <laughs> Buffalo is never the same. Oh, man. Um, what else is between Moderns? I've been reading Stephen King short stories, but uh, I, uh, I won't um, elaborate on that at this particular junction. Ah, uh, yes. I forgot your... All right, we got that cease and desist in the mail. Mm-hmm. No more King. Yeah, he's was, he was pretty mad about our last one. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Go get get hit by a van. Ooh, got him. Got him, because he did. And he almost killed him. And then he wrote some books. And then he wrote some books, which weren't quite as good as the stuff he was writing before that happened, but we'll get into that next week. Yeah, I was about to ask a question, but I realized, why do it now? Yeah, we'll we'll cover that. Next week, when we literally literally do not talk about dirt at all. Can't wait. Yep. We'll bring we'll we'll shoe no, on her in there. No. no, we'll find a way. We're gonna to rename like... the whole show for one week. <laughs> Dernless after reading. Dern. <laughs> um, Dernless in Seattle. I put art on my walls. You did, as you so... noticed. I didn't even know you had half of this art. Yeah, nice. it took me a year. I've been in this this space for over one year, and just now I have art in my closet, and I finally bit the bullet and did it. Nice. There's little cutie baby Max looking at his cute little Aww. arms and his little hat. You got a little, is that a pumpkin? Ooh, no, it's a basketball. It's a basketball. Sorry, there's some glare. Man, we are different because what I do when I move is I just like, I run on pure anxiety for the first week and I just put everything in its place. That and, sounds nice. See, I, I start there and if I don't do it, it won't happen for over a year. That's, I mean, I def, I did that for the most part. There was, like, a box that just sat in my room, like, for right. three months after I moved. But, yeah, you know, I'm still tired. From, <laughs> I, 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 was, I did that almost four months ago now, and I'm still tired from it. But, you know, my room looks like a insane museum of... Curios. Of clowns and bizarre haunted queer curios. Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) I know your aesthetic. Got a a big signed poster of Divine. I've got a. Amazing. Got a big Marlboro tin poster. Sure. Some weird stuff. I got a picture of a bird that's just screaming. (laughs) That's a good one. I did just get a shirt that I've wanted for a very long time. Um, It's from a local watering hole called Lorraine Bar. Gross. Um, It it is discontinued. It was a limited run, but I got a hand-me-down in the style of the Heaven's Gate logo. That's a really good one. It's amazing. I almost wore that today, actually, but I went with... Silverback Distillery instead. This week's sponsors, Silverback, Silverback Distillery. Silverback Distillery, located in... They have a location in the south and a location in, I believe, Strasburg, Pennsylvania, but I don't know because I can't read the back of the shirt. Mm. That's a shame. Oh, well. Oh, yeah, well. They, yeah, they got... Silverback. Look it up. It's all monkey-themed. If you like monkeys... If you like monkeys and you like beer... Oh! 
Man, I got a monkey tattoo. Oh. Yeah. Nick has a very colorful series of (laughs) tattoos on his leg. And this monkey, is this monkey from The Simpsons? No, it is... It is Simpsons-esque. Simply a chimp. Okay. He is a sheriff. And, um, yeah, he's one of the only cops I trust. <laughs> this monkey sheriff? Yeah, look, he has, he has, a, little, a, he has banana a banana in his gun holster. It's so fun. He's got, he's like a cowboy sheriff. He's got the boots. He's got, um, spurs and a hat. And what are the shoulder pad things called? I don't know off the, the top Patels, of you know, the ones that, like, Ooh, military dictators wear. You gotta lotion this bad boy up. It's a little dry. But yeah, you know, that's what I did. I got a monkey tattoo, went to the woods. That's it. I trimmed my eyebrows this morning. Whoa. I trimmed my eyelashes. <gasps> Why would you? No, I didn't. They're so, they're so long. Yeah, I've been told by many a women and men alike that I have beautiful eyelashes. We have that in common. Mm, yes, we, <laughs> we've been blessed with the eyelash. <laughs> Um, anything else between your parents? Nah, I don't know. Life's a a blur. Yeah, I mean... I've been taking morning naps. Damn, dog. I've just been really sleepy. Been been flipping a lot of burgers. Uh, been looking for real jobs. Um, what else? I've been watching a scary movie every day. That's been fun. What's, uh, what do you got so far? Um, I think I'm a day behind still, but I did, um, Hocus Pocus... I did um, the... Bordello of Blood. Yes, which I mentioned. I watched the new Cabin Fever, like the 2016 one. Kind of a bummer. Also, not a great movie. Um, I watched The Witches, which I'd never seen. Oh. It's very good. One of the only Roald Dahl film adaptations I've not seen. I've now seen it. I also watched The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh. Very, very good movie. Like, I'm not unfamiliar. I had... It's like a ghosty autopsy movie. It's great. Watch it. I won't describe it, but... It was so much better than I expected. And it was a Blumhouse movie, which those are kind of hit or miss, but, like, it was good. Oh, I don't know about the misses. I love Blumhouse. I don't know. I've seen one or two that were, like, weird. I I haven't seen the new Fantasy Island movie yet, but that's a Blumhouse movie, and I have a suspicious feeling it's not going to be great. Yeah, I didn't know about that one. You don't bring back that little man and the Cuban dude. I don't want to see it. Little man. Little man. Always. There was a joke in King of the Hill that every time something sad happens, there's a project that the guys work on, and they said, I built the shed when that little fella from Fantasy Island killed himself. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! I heard it again recently, and I must have not, like, it must have not Absorbed. connected when I was younger. Right. Like, oh my god, I heard that, and I was like, that is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Whew. I'll, yeah. Boomhauer talks about um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy at one point, and I was like, what's what? going on in this show? <laughs> this show is so layered, it's like an onion. But yeah, that's pretty much Moderns. Moderns, they're all, all, all drained. Don't, don't you have a, a different podcast? Oh yeah, um, I, <laughs> I'm working on two right now. One is kind of stuck in the mud, we're going to work on it. The other one is doing very well, because I'm not in charge of it. It's Tell called, us about it. It's called Millennium Bug. Um, I don't know when the first episode will be out, although I imagine it'll probably be this week. Um, we just watch movies from the year 2000 and talk about them and talk about how like our lives relate to them and how things have changed and how like people in the 2000s thought they were living in 3000. Because there's some crazy technology bullshit in movies from 2000. Okay, so is it mainly a look at, from like an almost historical lens of this yeah. is how culture was pop yeah. culture was in 2000 something like that and just how like 
technically it was still the 90s, but like everyone was like, oh, we're the future now, so it's time to start acting like it. It's true. And yeah. you're doing this with our only guest today. Yes, Tyler Gray. After readings. But yeah, once so we if have... you if you liked Tyler, yeah. If you like Nick, if you don't like me. Yeah, if you don't like Max, this is really your time to jump yeah. shot. If you wanted, if you said, I really like when Nick <laughs> makes a completely arbitrary podcast about watching movies, <laughs> uh, and you just want more of that in your life, yeah. Millennium Bug. We've, we have when, cool. When's it dropping? I don't know for sure. Probably this, the week of the 8th, which is now. Um, October 8th, 2020. I don't know. This episode probably won't come out till Monday, but you know. Yeah. It's, co- it's common, it's going. Now, can I make, like, your 2000 movie recommendations? Um, if you'd like to, sure. Um, Reindeer Games, Ben Affleck, Gary Sinise, hilarious. Hmm. Terrible Christmas action movie. Love it. That is good to know, because we are trying to do, like, themed holiday. Okay, like, yeah, Reindeer Games for Christmas. For sure. You know, I don't know if I've actually seen that. I loved it as a child. Almost as much as I loved my next recommendation, Shanghai Noon. Shanghai Noon. Starring uh, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson in a classic East Meets West. I've seen that. That's a good one. We just... I won't... I don't want to talk... I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. I don't know if I'm on a a gag order from Tyler. (laughs) But yeah, we have some good ones coming up. Good. We've got some spooky episodes. I look forward to it. got some weird straight-to-DVD films coming up. It's going to be wild. Amazing. And uh, he edits it, so it's not bad like this one. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much the Derns. All right. It's stuck up in there. Should we should we move on to the Little Dern? If you would like to. Um, little Dern, and I will say that quite literally, the littlest Dern I have ever seen 1973's White Lightning. And of course, Laura Dern, at the uh, the young age of six years old, was in this film. She is essentially not in this. She is, she doesn't act. She merely stands next to her mother who acts or sits on her mother's lap. I do believe this is only her second film role ever. I thought, and yeah, the this was uncredited. One, yes. I know that much. The first one was Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, which we haven't watched, but she just plays also a younger child. Yes, just the child's... Just, just a kid. Just set dressing <laughs> yeah. is effectively what she is. But, and the, the, despite the fact that this movie doesn't have as much dern as I typically care for, mm-hmm. this movie fucking rules. Oh yeah, man. Oh it. my god, White Lightning. And who, who is the star of this movie? The star... As the name, it's almost obvious just by hearing the name and the year, it's Burt Reynolds. Oh, Burt. It's fucking Burt Reynolds. Reynolds. So. You know, it's hard to pull off the name of a Muppet and make it like a... And be like the original sex icon. Yeah, like he is an international un-Asian sex symbol. Like when he was, he died, right? I did, I believe so, yes. Even like as an old man, he was hot. Like, yeah. Fucking. Yeah, oh, we'll get into we'll get into the hotness <laughs> of Burt Reynolds in this film quite quite substantially. You don't need abs to be hot. You just got to be Burt Reynolds. Yeah, he, he's a barrel. He's just he he's just he's like a, a barrel. he's a barrel chested hottie. He is. Um. So here's what we got. Here's what we got. White lightning. Do you know what white lightning means? Uh, moonshine, obviously. Hell yeah. Uh, oh man. I, in my head, I wanted to prepare a whole list of words for moonshine, but now I... Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. White Lightning. White Lightning. 
shiny booze. Shiny. A little shimmy shiny booze booze. That's uh, what we called it. Hooch. I don't know. Bathtub <laughs> gin. Sure. That's yeah, not good. Any, ignore me. What's um? So we we're going eastbound and down. We are going we're, down south. We're going to load it up and truck it. We're going We're going to do what they say can't be done. We're going to do all these things. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, that's fine. We got a long way to go in a short time to get there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Sorry, a little too much white lightning. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cigarettes. Ah. <laughs> a little black lightning. <laughs> um, so this movie starts. We see two men in a rowboat rowing. One... And they're like, quite relevant. Insanely relevant. Um, one is a sheriff. They're, they're both local law enforcement monkey in some sheriff? sort of swamp. No, oh, this one's so much worse. Sheriff. This is the little piggy sheriff. Oh. Um, we get. <laughs> little I get it. Go, do you? I don't know, it's, maybe. It's Ned Beatty. Oh, Ned. Ned Beatty. Oh, Comes is, to Thanksgiving every year. Plays uh, the sheriff of this southern county, of Bogan County. Ooh, that's south. Which is funny, because Bogan is like Australian slang for hillbilly. It is. And this is, this is a very hillbilly movie. So we've got the sheriff and the other guy, the other cop, are paddling a kayak. And it's slow, and it's just sort of intro, sort of cold opening scene. You don't really know what's going on. And then then it pans out a bit, and there's another boat that's attached to theirs. And this has two young, shaggy-haired men. Not unlike a Max and Nick in appearance. Yeah. Um, Are you saying we're going to start? Gagged. Oh. <laughs> oh. Gagged and in distress, and the sheriff... Pulls out a gun and shoots, shoots the, the boat. No, it's because it shoots the gags off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's a very cool weapon trickery move later on. Okay. Um, shoots the boat and these two young men sink in the swamp and die. Damn. And it's like, it hits hard. It's like, whoa, this movie's nuts. Um, the reason I call that man Piggy Sheriff is because he is played by Ned Beatty, who... I believe one year prior to this film, or maybe just after this film, was in a different movie with Burt Reynolds called Deliverance, where Ned Beatty is perhaps best known for getting raped by hillbillies and squealing like a pig. That's, that's our guy. That's rough. Yeah. And, and hard to believe he became a cop after that. <laughs> I guess he wanted to dispense the justice. Or maybe he was just bloodthirsty for revenge. Who knows? He, yo, well, he's our baddie, as uh, well, evidenced by that he just murdered two people. I, I know it's not a popular fact these days, but cops are often bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is the old, what's the acronym? C-A-O-B. No, it's it's just C-O-P. Cops are often bad. C-O-P, cops, or... Cops or... Pig-y. Pea sticks. Yeah. Cops are pea sticks. All cops are pea sticks. You know that old <laughs> adage. You leftist I, listeners, I've you. I've seen that tattooed on a crust punk's ankle. <laughs> <laughs> so, then, now we get we get our introduction to Bert. Oh, yeah. And you know how we're going to introduce Bert. Oh, yeah. Shirtless and sweaty. Mm-hmm. Boots. Hat. 
Boots, hat, pants, no hat. Just that's it. Mm. And this is a no mustache Bert. Well, this is on weird. the younger side. Like and he pulls that. it off. Don't worry, he does. I know. I'm still. Um, so Bert is like working on an engine. He appears to be a mechanic, but what we quickly learn is that he is in fact in prison. Ah. Um, and but it's like a very lax prison, and Bert's just like the chillest dude. I love that for him. Everyone loves him in this movie. The women, oh god, the wop in this movie. Let me tell you, <laughs> to pull up some recent verbiage. <laughs> um, so he gets a visitor. They're like your cousins here, and it's cousin Luella. She's got bad news. She's got her purse and her big yellow hat. She's kind of looking humbly down. She says, uh, Donnie's dead. Donnie was Burt Reynolds' cousin. She says, I, I think it might have been that, that, that crooked sheriff in Bogan County. And, uh, you know, Donnie was, well, he was with the hippies. He was protesting and they didn't like that. And he, he might have got himself in trouble. Um, like, you got to do something. Gator. Because oh. Burt Reynolds' name is Gator McCluskey, which fucks so hard. Wow. Uh, this is also notably one of Sterling Archer's favorite films. Say, I I really need to watch this now that I'm learning the backstory of it. Oh, Gator McCluskey. <laughs> Gator McCluskey. So we learn that Gator Gator's in there for moonshining. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just like swigging moonshine in prison and stuff, and like no one cares. Everyone knows that's the deal. And so he he's got a year left on his sentence, mm-hmm. and so he gets this news. And so what's Burke gonna do? He just fucking decks a guard and takes off. And so then they got him, like, running through a field, and the shout's from, like, the guard's sniper tower, and the guard is holding a rifle, sees him, running across the field escaping, puts down the rifle, and then picks up the phone, (laughs) and calls it in. It's like, oh, this is a very chill prison. (laughs) And then they they catch up to him in a minute with, like, a bunch of bloodhounds, and they bring him back. And he's like, I gotta get out there, you know, my, my cousin. And they, like, like him. He's just so charming and likable to everyone in this movie. She's like, all right, all right. Um, well, we've been investigating that sheriff on tax fraud. But, like, we're, if this federal, it's gotta be tax evasion stuff. Like, you need documentation, but we'll let you out if you, if you go bust that guy. So, basically, Burt Reynolds is a fucking narc. Gator, like, that's your cool fucking guy. Uh, that's your uh, sex symbol is a narc. But he is narking on the pigs, so. He is narking on the pigs. So there's, there's a hierarchy of narc here. It's true. A, a, a high narc? Nar- a higher narky. Higher narky. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so oh, right when he gets caught again, it just shows him shirtless on a chain gang, like, back at it. Like, it's just... Any excuse to be shirtless in this movie, they his, take. His real punishment is not being able to wear a shirt. All he wants is a shirt, and they won't give him one. <laughs> so the feds hook him up with, like, a sweet, fast car to, like, be his moonshine. He's gonna, like, go undercover as a moonshiner, because he knows the game. Um, but he's really, he's trying to bust this guy, but he wants to, like, find out that this guy killed his brother, and if so, exact revenge. And, like... 
the first thing he does is just, like, he's drinking a beer in this car the feds gave him. Which, like, probably was legal at the time. I mean, yeah. And just speeding, like, driving like a madman. And a cop goes to pull him over and he just has... Our, we have our first high-speed chase of the movie. <laughs> our first 70s Dukes of Hazard-esque chase. Oh, I love it. And, you know, he, he makes a fool out of the cop. Because that's how we do. And then he pulls up to, like, a main street, and there's there's these two young hotties. And he, like, you know, slow rolls them and looks, and, and it's like, Gator, is that you? Like, you're back? And they just come up to the window, and they are dripping. <laughs> and the whole oh time, the whole time he is driving slowly, <laughs> and they're, like, walking, holding on to the passenger door, like, looking, and just, <laughs> just like, just... I fucking top to bottom. Oh, the 70s. The two of them. And one, like, one knew him and the other one didn't. She's like, this is my cousin or whoever. She's like, I, I would love to meet you, Gator. Like, maybe come back with us sometime. We never see them again, but it's oh, just it's just shame. color. Don't worry. He gets his fuck on. <laughs> I wasn't worried. <laughs> I know how he operates. And so, uh, he goes to, he goes to his, like, farmer parents. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, old sitting on the porch. Like, this, this whole movie is just good old boys. And, like, oh, Gator, Gator, you're out. And he's like, well, you know, tell me about Donnie. What happened? Like, I'm going after the sheriff. It's like, don't do that. But so he tells his dad, he tells his dad that, like, he's like, I'm working with the feds. And his dad basically calls him a fucking narc. His dad, we learn, was, like, a legendary moonshiner in his day. And he's like, he's like, don't, don't you go, don't you go ratting on any liquor, boys. <laughs> you're like, how dare you? It's the biggest affront. It's like, you're working with the fucking feds. Um, in this scene, we get this lovely bit of, like, classic 70s gender roles. Where, um, so he brings up Donnie, their son, who was just murdered by likely a corrupt sheriff. And... Uh, Gator brings him up and the mom just starts crying. And so dad steps in. He's like, he's like, cool it, cool it, hon. Like, get it together. Like, why are you crying, you stupid woman? You know what I was expecting was the opposite. Like, you made your mother cry. Are you happy? No, it was just like, it was like, look at this ridiculous emotional woman. And then he has like a serious conversation with Gator and crying mom is just out of the picture. Oh my God. Um, so then he's like, trying to get in with another moonshiner. He goes to, like, a demolition derby type thing and, like, knows who to talk to. But he's like, what are you, a fucking narc? Like, get out of here. But he keeps following up, and he eventually gets in with this guy, Dude Watson. Oh, hell yeah. And Dude Watson, he's got a a wife named Maggie, played by Diane Ladd, who is the mother of Laura Dern. And they have a daughter... Whose name I... Oh, it's like Sharon Ann or something. It's Laura It's Laura Dern. The smallest Dern. The littlest Dern. This is... I'll skip right to the what did I learn about Dern. Yeah. There was a time when she was shorter than I am. Huh. And it was probably ended by the time she turned seven. By by the time she was seven, she was both taller than you and had a SAG card, so... (laughs) Fuck you. And you're still a short, sagless man, so... (laughs) I don't know, Max. You messed up. I was in a movie directed by Nancy McKeon. 
I was in a movie with. Oh man, what's his name? Uh, Corey Feldman. Yeah, he's not good anymore, but I was there. Notably, Diane Ladd. At this point, her the spelling of her last name in the credits was L A D rather than L A D D, which. I like to hope it was a typo. I cannot imagine that wasn't a mistake that they just never fixed. <laughs> um, and then, so then, like, him and Dude Watson are there talking moonshine, talking about their next plan. Oh, and meanwhile, while he's talking, he looks over at Diane Ladd. She's, like, in the background outside of the garage, just, like, with the daughter, with Laura Dern. Yeah. And he's just, like, sort of checking her out, like, like not really listening to dude. And Jesus. Just, it's just, like, and nothing comes of that particular, <laughs> like, taken woman, but it's just, he, he's just compelled to every chance he gets. He cannot shut down the libido of this man. That's true. And so then we get... We see a little truck um, that says uh, a hippie driving a truck that is written in like black tape on it. Legalized marijuana. Love that. And they see it. Gator goes. He's like, man, if they if they legalize marijuana, it's gonna kill the moonshine business. <laughs> damn, damn long haired freaks. <laughs> oh, that's good. So then we meet um, our next moonshiner in the crew is Rebel Roy. Rebel Roy, and he basically talks like Boomhauer. Like, I love that. If you if you like, you know, made it like a little bit more coherent, where like sometimes you can make out the actual words. Like that's that's where he was at. Oh, and love it. he Gator gets a job as a blocker, which um, is a cool job. I didn't know what a blocker was. Yeah, I, I'm really into roller derby. It's like they got blockers and jammers, jammers. and. Score, score. I mean, essentially the same thing. Where the yeah. blocker, the jammer would be the car with all the moonshine in it, and the blocker would be the one that plays interference when the cops chase after the moonshine truck. So he's real good at like running the cops off the road because he's fucking cool. Do you, do you know that's why NASCAR exists? Yeah, it's just hillbillies that kept making faster cars to outrun the cops. Hell yeah! And then they just started racing them. Mm-hmm. Um. So then, so. Once he becomes a blocker, instantly cops are after them. Of course, and he like, you know, just like Eastbound Tokyo drifts. Oh yeah, he goes through like a lumber yard oh, and cool. like quickly swerves right at the edge of like giant stacks of lumber, and the cop goes right into it and it falls all over. Then he does the classic. Oh, it looks like he's uh, you know, there's no escape. But he goes off of a makeshift dirt ramp at a river and lands on a barge. But the car's hanging halfway off the barge, which felt like it was unintentional and like it was their one shot, and that's what they got. And like the car was definitely destroyed oh, after for that. Sure. So, so like they kept it. it. Seemed pretty cool. Um, then oh, meanwhile, Rebel Roy, he's got this lady Lou. Lou is a hottie. Okay. Here we'll see. Here are the three of them. We've got sexy non-mustache Bert. We got Lou. And we got Roy. And they're all sitting together in the front seat of a car on a bench seat. Because it was the 70s. 
And she's got her leg up. She's just looking at Bert. She's all about Gator. And she lays it on harder than anyone I've ever seen. So Roy goes in into run an errand or something. He gets out of the car and she just like puts her foot on him and she's like just pawing at him with her foot. She's like, you know, she's like, you know, first time I took a boy back in the in the cornfields, I was nine years old. Ugh. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, Yikes. that's kind of fucked. <laughs> you had a, a fucked up childhood? <laughs> and, like, the movie offers that kind of casually. And it, it's weird. It left the a, 70s. a weird taste. They, we do actually come back to a little bit. Oh. Um he was that boy. <laughs> and and she's just like, you know, she's basically like, hey, let's fuck. And Roy gets back in the car and she's like, think about what I told you. And she's like, what'd you tell him? He's like, oh, I gave him my recipe for shaky pudding. He said he'd love to try some. Oh and they keep God. using that shaky pudding line. I hate that so much. It's awful. Shaky pudding. Shaky Get out of pudding. Um, Get out of here. <laughs> so then we go up up the moonshiner chain, and the, the one guy who's like the sort of the boss man running the show, he's he meets Gator and he's like, "Can I trust this guy?" So he pulls a knife on him to like really tough guy him day one. Yeah. Um, and Gator's smoking a cig and he just pulls a knife to his neck, and then he's like. And just swats the cigarette out of his hand with the knife, which is such a cool move. He's like, can I trust you, boy? And Gator, because he's cooler than everybody. Oh, yeah. Goes without saying. Says, doesn't flinch. Says, how'd you like it if I shoved that knife up your ass? And it's like a big (laughs) blade. And he looks, he's like, he's like taken aback. Like, how, he's like, I wouldn't like it very much, sir. Like, he just like crumbles. He's like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you, do you want to be the boss? That's, if you want to be the boss, that's fine. Um, and at one point, Gator says to Roy and Lou, says, you two are more fun than an all-night dentist. Because they were, like, bickering. And I was like, that's a, a clever little line. That is fun. Um, but Lou and Gator, in fact, do have some fun when they're staying. The three of them are staying at, like, a... All-night a, dentist. At an all-night dentist on a lake. Mm-hmm. And Gator's skinny dipping in the swamp, and then Lou's making breakfast, and Roy's asleep, and it's like early morning, and she just goes down and like one she like feeds him breakfast, like <laughs> just like a fork full of eggs directly to his mouth while he's like while he's like in the swamp, and she's <laughs> sitting on the deck. Oh, that's unsanitary. and it's supposed to be romantic, but it's. Not? No, that gives me weird. But he's he's doing. She's wearing a dress, and he's doing this little playful thing where he's scooting around the dock trying to peer up the dress. (laughs) Because boys, boys will be boys. Birds will be birds. Um, and then they fuck in the swamp while Roy is asleep at like I don't know eight in the morning. That's how you get an infection. Absolutely, this is a Jardia nightmare. Oh, man. <laughs> so then, like, and they're, like, shameless, and then they, like, 
dis- like that as that's happening, Roy wakes up and like he doesn't see them, but they're right down there, like boning in the water. And so Roy kind of suspects something's up because it's clear as fucking day. <laughs> and so he like confronts Bert in a hardware store when they're picking something up. And like and Bert Reynolds is just like what are you what are you accusing me of? Like how dare you? Like what what are you saying, boy? And he just makes Roy look like the bad guy. It's like, dude, you just fucked his girlfriend like an hour ago in a swamp. <laughs> and it's just like Bert's the winner, Bert's cool. It's great. I mean, he is. He is, he's very cool. Um Oh, right before they bang, he says my favorite line of the movie. I want to thank you to Lou, to the woman. I want to thank you from the bottom of my worthless, horny soul. <laughs> oh, 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 man! <laughs> but uh, it's what he says, says it like a joke. It's that's, just like a cool line. That's a Hallmark card they don't make. <laughs> <laughs> um, we get... So... Oh, no, I'll save that for the end and the wrap-up. Um, so then they get caught by the sheriff... And the moon, the moonshiner pulled the knife on him is like now teaming up with the sheriff, and they get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and Lou are both caught by these moonshiners who have them held at gunpoint. And so Lou or Bert does the classic, just use the woman as rape bait um, diversion. Great, a classic '70s action comedy tactic, if ever there was one. Um, he's like, uh, it's, he's like, he's like, you know what she's got? Oh, he, he gets really drunk. And so then it just seems natural that he's just spouting shit off. And he's like, you know what she's got under that dress? Right on her belly? She's got a tattoo. And they're like, ooh, never. It's like, a tattoo's like, I am fooling. Like, look at it. And they start, like, getting handsy and trying to grab at her dress. And then he comes in and knocks him out. But, like, you know, after they get their their paws all over a bit. Because yeah. 70s are gross. Does she have a tattoo? We don't. Oh. I don't know if that was a ruse. Mystery. She seemed, uh, if tattoos were only, you know, like, unsavory women would have them, she would, her character seems like she would. It just right. says, she was banging banging boys at nine. Just this boner garage, and it points down. <laughs> um, so then, they then Lou takes them. Oh, they get into a car accident or something. But Lou, so Bert's all banged up. But Lou takes them. He wakes, comes to in a bed. He's got like a big patch over his eye, and just. Just pregnant teens all surrounding the bed oh, no. as he's coming to. Was that him? <laughs> yeah, it was. No, no, no. Oh. It was not. Oh, just in a blackout state, just banged eight teenagers. <laughs> no, we learn Don't that, do that we learn that um, Lou has taken him to Sister Linda Faye's home for unwed mothers. Oh. Oh, fun. Which, you know, was this classic, this real thing where it's you kind of... party school. <laughs> <laughs> where you, you know, like, when teen pregnancies and unwed pregnancies were so taboo that you'd kind of, oh, send, send her off for nine months where she might deliver this baby and then it becomes, then it lives in an orphanage or something. It's like that kind of place. And we learn that Lou herself was one of the mothers. That's how she knew about the place. 
So, and that's kind of the only connection we get to that, like, oh, I banged a boy when I was nine, but, like, they acknowledge, like, some rough, troubled past from a young age, that that was a situation she found herself in. And we don't go further into it, but it made, I liked that they, like, just shed that light on her character. Um, it did, it felt natural and important. Um, and so then he's, like, hanging, laying low, recovering there. And the the teams are all just, like, very curious. Um, and once he's got the patch on the eye, and a teen says, What happened to you? And he says, Oh, I was trying to save these two buddies of mine from getting knocked up by a homosexual. <laughs> and he does it just to fuck with the girl, oh, I guess. I think. It was such a weird line, but I'm like, oh. He's, and she's like, <gasps> But it's like, they're just... They're just girls who had sex. They're not all, like, Christian... They're not all Bible thumpers themselves, you know. It wasn't the nun he said it to, but she's, like, scandalized. So I guess it was just, like, oh, I'll just fuck with this child by saying that. Oh, um, man. Now, oh, dude. Dude, our original moonshiner, mm-hmm. um, Dern's daddy, uh, gets killed. <gasps> no. by the, He gets shot by the, the sheriff. And all this. Um, And so then they have a funeral, and the casket's in the back of a pickup truck, because fuck yeah, hillbillies. And Roy, who was Lou's partner, Uh um, is like putting the shakes on on Diane Ladd. I'm like widow lad so hard. Ooh. <laughs> while while baby Darren's sitting on their lap uh, at the funeral. Nothing but class. Hell yeah. Um <laughs> Then we get Oh, so one of the unwed teens, one of the unwed moms, knew she's like, wait, your name's McCluskey? You related to Donnie McCluskey? And she she knows what went down because she would protest with him and the other hippies. And apparently Donnie told the sheriff, and this is, speaks to the timelessness of this movie, um, that he was a fascist big motherfucker stealing the county blind. There you go. Which, hell yeah. <laughs> Tell him, Donnie. So that's why the sheriff, you know, sank him at the put beginning it, of the put, film. Put him in creative sex gear and then <laughs> sank his Classic Ned Beatty move. Um, then we get, we get a car chase. We get then we get our cl- our climactic car chase oh. where um, Bert pulls this like uh, almost like a Dick Dastardly this cartoonish move where he's being chased by the sheriff after this whole long scene and we see his car like go ahead and pull over right in front of oh, a lake. Nice. As Bert like tucks his car down like a a little drop. Right on the edge of a lake, and the sheriff's car like goes speeding and flies right over it into the lake, and he drowns and dies. Good. By the way, is that a is that a Firebird that he drives? I don't know what that is. It's a big old brown car. That's I don't know my cars, but no, that's fine. One I don't either, but you know, it's a '70s muscle car. It's a car. You know the deal. Um, oh, here's a great shot of Corn's Motel. Oh, love There's it. a motel that called is... Corn's. Fantastic. And that's just a delicious, delicious mm, thing. Corn. Full corn breakfast. Meet me at corns. Come on down, you hear? 
No HBO. Free, Come to corn. You know how like nice hotels have like a basket of apples in the lobby? They just have a basket of shucked ears of corn. <laughs> Little sweet it's overflowing. The they still have all the strings on them. Yeah. They're just everywhere. Oh, you no. get in your bed and you're just like rolling in corn. Ah, uh, it's like a Texas roadhouse. There's just fucking peanut shells and corn husks all over the ground. In the shower, it's just wet corn husks. The, the check-in has chicken wire around it. You're supposed to throw glass <laughs> bottles at it if they're doing a good job. Um. Well. Okay. Now. That wraps up the film. I want to talk briefly about oh, some <laughs> some some tidbits about this movie. The writer, a man by the name of William Norton, had previously been wanted by the FBI as a member of the Communist Party in in like the fifties or sixties. Um, then he like made a bunch of Hollywood movies, and so he. He put in a lot of his sort of lefty, like the legalized marijuana. It was almost these sort of snapshots. Yeah. Um, we get, there's one scene where there's a group of hippies in a diner. Um, and we just overhear their, them talking. And one's like, you know, I think, I think we'd have world peace when we get a woman president. Not true, by the way, but like a nice sentiment. Um, like that definitely won't solve the problem. <laughs> We've got bigger hurdles. Um, but all these kind of themes that did feel, looking back, it can be easy to just see this as like a macho popcorn action comedy, which, because it is. Yeah. But that he like snuck in these, these lefty themes in there, which is pretty cool. Um, and as a guy who really puts his money where his mouth is, in 1985, he was arrested for two years in Ireland for smuggling guns for the Irish Catholics. That's cool. Which actually might be reactionary. So he's anti-IRA. Uh, it was a, the cool, troubles. Maybe. I don't know. Eh, the troubles. There was, you know. He's just like Rick from Casablanca. He's always <laughs> fighting on the losing team. <laughs> um, and you know who was originally supposed to direct this film, and who worked on it for two and a half months, and then because he was such a diva, even though he had never directed a full-length feature film. Ever. Oh, so it's Steven Spielberg. It is Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I don't know why, but just as you were saying that, it all clicked. He did for two and a half months, and then he's just like, he pulled out because it didn't feel like a great first movie for him. Which, like, alright, dude, you got you got cojones. You I got mean, plums to he, just He did bail only then on go that. on to make Jaws, so I guess, you know. Right, he knew what he was, <laughs> he knew what he could do. He went on to make some of the most historically important movies. Right, so. but I feel like that seems like a great way to try to kill your career no, is true. to bail three months uh, in on imagine it. Imagine if he did direct it, though. That would have been uh, probably great. better. <laughs> I don't... This movie's very good. Like, I, aside yeah. from, like, you know, the problematic bullshit there that comes with 1973. <laughs> um, this movie's well shot. It's it's engaging. Um, it's super fun. It's sexy as hell. You know. It hits, it hits all the right notes, and it's well done. It was That's... a very enjoyable film. Um, I recommend it, and yeah, cool. That's uh, White Lightning. So we had some pretty good dern. Yeah, we had some cool old shit this week. Some medium rare dern. <laughs> oh, stretching it out. <sighs> Shake it out, baby. Shake it out. How's everyone doing? Everyone, stretch. Yeah. Give a little stretch. Breathe, nice and deep. Do your calisthenics. Yeah, might be the morning, might be night, but we're here for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any time of day. 
you know, come, sometimes, come around. Sometimes we take three weeks off, but we're still here. Yeah, go listen to the old ones. You haven't listened to all of them. Come on. Nobody has. It's impossible. <laughs> Our backlog spans decades. <laughs> Been on longer than, I don't know, Howard Stern, I guess. Yeah. Also, I believe Howard Stern cameoed in this because they were playing a Howard Stern radio show, but I don't know for sure. Oh, really? I don't know how long ago he would have been on air. You know what we should call him? <gasps> Howard Stern. <gasps> no. <laughs> we got a new segment. We don't know what it is yet, but Howard it's there. Howard Stern. We just talked about Howard Stern for a few minutes. <laughs> Baba Booey, let's go. Uh, well, that, that's all I got, man. You know, we... We batted it out of the park. This is our best one ever. Hell yeah. We should just quit. No. No, we should We're not going to do that, listeners. No, we're just joshing. We'll be back. We got some spooky plans we for you got... this Rocktober. Actually, let me just check the calendar quick. <laughs> let me see how this will work out. Let's see. Spooky, spooky, spooky. Yeah, we're going to do spooky. <laughs> That's what the calendar says. Yep, my my calendar actually just says spooky every Nick day. did just write in his notebook the word spooky, <laughs> yes. quite illegibly, and then circled it. Well, yeah, I mean, we gotta do it. Hell yeah. Who knows if we'll, we, uh, oh, by the numbers, we quite literally will not be doing this next October, so we gotta <laughs> live it up while we can. But yeah, we'll do some spooky, and then I think a week after that, for the big spooky, we're gonna do some big spooky, but that's later spooky. Now spooky. Do do we have uh, films lined up that we want to drop for, or do we just want to stick with spooky for now? I will stick with spooky because I think I might amend the list of upcoming films a touch so that we can have spooky things to talk about. Cool. On our leading up to Halloween episode. And um, perhaps our next episode, we, we teased it a little bit, but we'll be... Uh, talking Stephen King. Yes, and if I can drag my ass to do it before this weekend, I'm going to try to read a few of Raul Dahl's short horror stories because I was recently gifted his book of short horror Ooh. stories, which I've never read, but I'm, I'm excited sure to see like if they're like in the vein of the, his children's books, or if they're a little more adult, right? Uh, maybe a little bit of uh, young adult, mm. young adult fiction. Spicy. It's gonna be spicy. Raul Dahl was a spicy man. He was a spy. He was a sex man. spy, in fact. He was. He was basically James Bond. Pretty much. And then he called the queen and said, I'm dry. I'm empty. I can't do it anymore. What, what'd the queen say? I think she said, okay, write some books. <laughs> write some cool, weird books. Exactly. How? And uh, she's still alive, so. Thanks, Raul Dahl. Thank you, Queen Elizabeth. Thank you, arbitrary power woman. Thank you, Laura Dern. <laughs> Thank you, Laura Dern. Okay, I think we gotta cut it. Let's go. Bye. Goodbye, Dern. Bye, Dern. Bye. Bye.